Andy, my dude, have you heard of the magical website builder known as Squarespace? Ugh, not another Squarespace ad. I feel like every podcast is sponsored by them. <laughs> hey, 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 don't knock it till you try it. Yes, okay, it is overhyped. But actually, it lives up to the hype. Squarespace is like a website fairy godmother. With a click of a button, your site transforms into a beautiful masterpiece. A website fairy godmother? That sounds interesting. What makes it so magical? Well, for starters, those slick templates make anyone look like a professional web designer. Pick one, customize the colors and fonts to match your brand, and voila. Plus, the drag-and-drop fluid engine is so easy, your grandma could build a site on Squarespace. Well, she did knit me a lovely scarf last Christmas. Maybe website design is next. Exactly. And when you're ready to sell your Nana's handmade scarves online, Squarespace has built-in e-commerce. Add a store with one click. Get flexible payment options. Then watch those sales roll in. And when she wants to teach others her steezy scarf skills, Squarespace's new courses feature is just the ticket. Nana can set up her curriculum and enrollments and payments in a snap and become the next e-knitting influencer. Wow, you really sold me with the grandma angle. Sign me up for that free try. Just go to thenextreel.com slash Squarespace and transform your site into a beautiful Squarespace masterpiece. Well, thanks, Pete. Even though it's overhyped, Squarespace actually sounds perfect for Nana's site's needs. Appreciate the warning on the ads, though. I'll brace myself next time I listen to a podcast. Anytime. Let me know if you need any help getting that site up and running. Andy, can you believe we've almost hit 700 episodes of The Next Reel? I know, it's crazy. And with all the other episodes in our family of podcasts, we are well over 1,200 episodes of movie conversation. It's really pretty amazing that we've gotten to have these in-depth movie chats every week for over a decade now. And we couldn't have done it without our loyal community of film fans. Their support over the years has meant so much. For sure. That reminds me, we should give the merch store a shout out. Buying shirts from thenextreel.com slash merch is a great way listeners can continue to support the show. Plus, they get to support our great designs. Absolutely. I think sometimes folks forget we have a variety of shirts, mugs, phone cases, and more available. In fact, a great place to start is with a shirt sporting the Next Reel's logo. We also have that classic Fast Times Spicoli Surf School tee, or the weirdly popular Rusty's European Tour shirt. The one from National Foods European Vacation. Why is that so popular? <laughs> Search me, but we have sold a ridiculous number of those. I guess there are a lot of Rusties taking trips to Europe? We're always adding new designs based on movies we've covered, like our brand new design for a streetcar named Desire, featuring a streetcar named Desire. So if you want to rep your love of TNR and films, head to thenextreel.com slash merch. Every purchase helps us continue to have these weekly in-depth conversations. So visit thenextreel.com slash merch today. And as always, thanks for listening and being a part of the Next Real community. We've got lots more great movie chats coming your way. Welcome, everybody, to the Next Real Film Board. We've got the, uh, the, the now what has become the usual suspects. I feel like every time I say that, I sort of cross myself that I wish our other two compatriots would come back. One of them, I think, is still uh, hiding in, in Florida, right? Is he finally back from his epic trip? Uh, 
I don't know. I think today was the uh, hope to be traveling day. Goodness. I think they he spent like the last two months at Disney World. <laughs> you know, if you're stuck if you if you're stuck there because of plane malfunctions, I guess it's not the worst place to be trapped. <laughs> this is uh, Uber Mike Evans, uh, who we haven't heard from in forever. We hope to see him back soon, and uh, Chad Stoops. We hope to see back soon. He's been on a bit of a hiatus too, uh, but but we so it's the usual thugs that we have. I'm Pete Wright. That that was Andy Nelson just a second ago, and uh, we also have Steve Sarmento. Say hi, yes, Steve. we do. Uh, good evening, everyone. And uh, and we also have uh, um, I I don't even know. There's like so many new ways to introduce, but Tommy Handsome, uh, <laughs> Tom Metz, uh, Thomas W. Metz the third. Hello, friends. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, we are talking about this. Is sort of a it's kind. I don't know. What do you call it? It's not a reunion episode. Uh, it's a, what is it called? It's part of a series that we're, we've decided to do. It's, yeah, it's a, a continuation. Continuation. Of our- Hobbit trilogy. All right, it's the Hobbit. We're we're doing the Hobbit trilogy. We we actually we we weren't even thinking about it. And some of us, <clears throat> Tom, were downright hostile <laughs> at having to go see this film. Uh, and and so, but we're doing it anyway uh, to uh, because it, there was so much about the first film I think that merited follow up, both the te- on the technical side of the film and. Uh, and on the just the dramatic side, the narrative side of the film, looking at what Peter Jackson has done uh, by splitting up this tiny waif of a book into three epic three-hour films. And so that is where we begin. Uh, what? It, let us go around and give our initial impressions, please, of The Hobbit, Desolation of Smaug. And you know, we, I, I, I would like to invite Tom to start. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, uh, okay. So, just like the real quick sum up, I thought it was much better than the first one. Uh, I had a much better time. I still feel it was incredibly bloated and potentially forty-five minutes too long. Uh, but granted, that comes from me. I whenever they were talking about prophecies or necromancers, I had no <laughs> idea what they were talking about, and there was a lot of that in this. Um, the only other thing I would say is if I grew up in Middle Earth, I would open a company or a factory that produces guardrails because there were 90 scenes <laughs> of people walking over incredibly high up, very narrow rockways, and it kind of gave me a little bit of a panic attack every single time. <laughs> uh, that's fantastic. That's a great idea. Right? I- Middle Earth guardrails. Oh. There's got to be some. I'm sure there's some place, maybe in the Appalachians, that is is similar enough to Middle Earth that you could get away with a company. <laughs> I'll, I'll work on it. You so that's mine. <laughs> I'd like to see that business plan next time. Uh, uh, Steve. Yeah, it's it was more Hobbit. What? Yeah. <laughs> wow. Uh, there, wait a minute. Wait a minute. There, there there's a, I, I, there, I can get more in depth. I have a. I, after I finished this, I said, "Okay, I have to completely reframe what what Peter Jackson is really doing here." And it's a it's a much longer explanation that I can I can get into later. But it's just, it was it was it was more Hobbit, and there were sequences that that I enjoyed. But I'm still, you know, f- thinking through. I saw it late last night, and there's just a lot of things that I think structurally you know, that are going on, and some other things that he's doing in in the world of the Hobbit. And what he's done by expanding it that is something very different. So I, I'm not sure that I, I wow. I, I, I'm not sure that I love it. I'm not sure that I hate it. It's just it's something new and different that I I think he's he's trying here. 
Wow. I have to admit, I am surprised by that response. I thought you were going to be the completely bullish, like, the one. The no, one saying what? Like, no, the, love, I mean, the, 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 the lover of all things, Desolation oh. of Smile. No, well, I, I can tell you I loved the high frame rate still. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I can't wait to talk about that. Okay, uh, but, okay Andy, tell, uh, do tell. Well, I, I actually completely loved it. From beginning to end, I had such a great time watching it, and uh, to be honest, I didn't feel this one was bloated at all. I mean, I had such a hard time in the first one, mainly it was because I saw it in the high frame rate, and I, I kind of had a hard time getting past that. This time, I just saw it in simple old 24 frames, 2D, and I had so much fun watching it, and honestly, it, it when it ended, I was floored that I had just gone through three hours. I was I, I was waiting for another at least half hour, 45 minutes. I had no idea where the time went. Really? It just zipped by so fast for me, and I was in it from beginning to end. I loved it. That's more like it. <laughs> That's what I expected from Steve, not at all what I expected from Andy. I feel like I need to close my head in a car door. The man who loves Yee Yee. Here we are. Yeah, this is now. Let's see. Now this is the this is a challenge for me because I, you know, I, I when Tom said there's a 45 minutes too long, this movie was bloated. I'm, you know, I'm I'm I hearken back to my experience with Yee Yee and and. Uh, are we it, just making up noises? What what? <laughs> clearly, Tom has not seen Yee 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 and a one and a two. Stop it's saying a, that like it means something. What's yee yee? It's a Chinese film oh, uh, by Edward Yang, and we reviewed it this week on the show, which is why likely you, you haven't uh, heard of it yet. But you, I'm sure you will, because I know it's going to be the next thing that, that comes up in your podcast app. It's the top of my Twitter. I, knew, I don't know uh, how the computer works. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I, uh, I, I, man, I am surprising myself that I thought this was an improvement in almost every way over the first film. I saw it not in high frame rate this time, but I am going back to see it in high frame rate uh, this week. Uh, I saw it in 3D, real 3D, um, with my daughter, and I am with Andy. I It just zipped by. I found myself really in it uh, every sequence. Uh, there were some sequences I didn't think were long enough. I, I felt like I wanted even more, and I, I'm really surprised by that, uh, especially coming off of my experience with the, the first film, which I thought was was much more difficult to watch. I uh, the, There were some elements that I think they... Um, the, I went in really worried about, um, and uh, I think that I was uh, really pleased by those elements, specifically the dragon. I mean, I, I think that's you're gonna that that's the moneymaker, obviously, of this film. And I uh, loved the dragon. I thought that climactic chase through uh, the mines uh, was uh, just absolutely great. We were on the edge of our seats during that that sequence. And, and uh, aside from the fact that I find ultimately this film is a betrayal of the title, uh, at no point does Smog actually become desolated. Uh, and they ended it in a horrible, mean cliffhanger. Uh, well, it's, it's not about his desolation. It's the desolation he caused. It's, it's, the, it's the fact that Dale is gone. Like, even if you look at, at, at uh, what is it, not Thorin's map, but what you know, the oh, elephant. Oh, that el- turns it around for me. The, I thought yeah, we were guys. Yeah, the of smog. They, no. That's what they name on the map. That whole area that smog has destroyed. I didn't even catch that, and I've actually say, read the book a number of times, and that was on that the map, the isn't it? They I actually, they do say the name of the movie and the thing. He goes, "Behold, more or less, behold the desolation of smog." See, I, I'm getting out my map. 
You know what? There it is. It's right there on the book. I feel like I'm the tool now. Look at that. How quickly tables turn. Desolation of Smaug. You've been Smaugged. Here, here with... <laughs> Smaug down. Oh, East awesome. lie the hills. Okay. Uh, so I uh, take that last part back. Although I still find the ending was just horrible. Uh, I wanted this movie to go on, and I, I know I'm, totally right. <laughs> I was really mad about it. Both, uh, you know, I went with Sophie, and and we both of us just stood there with our jaws kind of dropped. Like we wanted to, we wanted to see the black arrow hit the chest. That's what we were. That was the money shot for us. We wanted that there, and uh, we didn't get it. And so I, I hate that we have to wait yet again. So but it sounds I, like I'm the Grinch. Then, well, you and Steve, movie. you and Steve are the Grinch Grinches. Co Grinches, really? yeah, the Grinch twins. I, oh my gosh, we should get T-shirts, twinsies. All right, let's let's first uh, let's talk just a little bit about uh, the narrative, shall we? I, I'm I'm interested in your thoughts for those who have. Tom, have you read the book? You're not no. a book. You you don't do the book. All right, so oh, I'm a, I'm a very much a book person, no, but not you a clearly don't book. know how to read. So it's the Bible and nothing else. <laughs> I, uh, I'm interested in thoughts on how, because this one in, in some respects differs the, uh, a lot more, I think, than, than uh, the, the first one did as, they, as uh, Peter Jackson and, and team go to expand The Hobbit. I'm curious your thoughts on, on how these new pieces fit together. Uh, Steve, I, I think you're, you're probably chomping at the bit to talk about this. Well, yeah, and that's, uh, you know, as I said, that what this film is... Um, it's not so much an adaptation of this novel anymore. It's It's been expanded. And what, what Peter Jackson's really, I think, doing is he's he's completing his, for lack of a better term, his Tolkien cinematic universe. He's got, this is his chance to, to wrap everything up, to have created this entire world. He'll have the sequence of, of six films that just encompasses everything. And as I, as I was watching this, you know, looking at all these extra pieces that they they sort of fit in there, I thought, okay, well, that's that's why we're seeing these pieces. It's it's other writings that occurred or other characters that he's he's brought in so that it it fleshes out everything. So it is really um, that that prequel to Lord of the Rings um, by bringing you know other characters in that aren't in the book, but we know were alive in in the world at the time, and I think that's what he's doing here and in, in doing that I, I don't see this anymore as really being standalone films per se to me as I, I finished this I thought you know what these films really feel like is it's like binge watching you know like Game of Thrones or you know something like that where you've got let's say Desolation of Smog this this three hour film is really like watching four episodes of you know something on HBO binge watch them because you'll have one episode, like the barrel sequence, which is like, wow, this, you know, there's the escape and there's this action. Then you'll get followed up with an episode that's a lot of talking and character development and it's setting things up for the next thing that's happening. And that's what this film really felt like to me is just separate sequences. It became very episodic and not so much one single story arc in a film, but this larger story and world and everything getting needing to get all the pieces put in place at the right time so that we have all that information later on at this point and that point. And that's why I, I almost think of this not so much as a movie, but just big budget, you know, 
cable TV, you know, miniseries almost. It's, it's, that's what it feels like to me is what's going on here because there's just so much story he's trying to pack in there. Yeah, you know, I I'm I'm with you on that. I really like the way you phrase that. It it feels right to me uh, uh the way I'm sort of approaching this now too and it's new. I I was not uh, I think I maybe it took the last film for me to kind of get get past the fact that this wasn't the book that I cherished that this is a different property. Yeah. He's not bringing that to life. Uh, he is. He really is creating his own uh, Middle Earth universe, and and that's. Uh, this was the first time I felt okay about about that. Mm. Well, do you I'll feel see. like he's creating his own universe, or just? I mean, t- I mean, like you said, I mean, these characters were alive, and and I, he said, like we talked about this last year when we talked about the first one, how he went to all the other writings that Tolkien did, and and found these other stories that were kind of going along, like the whole, what is it, a Azog, the Defiler, or whatever his name is, yeah. the White Orc. I mean, he, I guess, was in there, and uh, it sounds like all of these characters, except for Toriel, have all been somehow in all of the writings and he's just finding a way to bring it all together to to put these pieces in place that yes if we sat down and read everything that Tolkien had ever written we could kind of see how all of this history related and it just seems like to me he's finding a way to fit it together to tell a more expansive story well pardon my ignorance is it like apocrypha or like appendixes like what are they yeah he's got stories that he wrote some short stories he has appendices he's got uh books books of history i mean literally it's like and and they're really tedious i've tried reading a couple and i'm just not the sort of person who can sit and read you know uh I, i have a hard enough time reading history of you know the real world reading history of a fantasy world i find just really Mind-boggling. What was, what was the the Silmarillion? Um, Silmarillion, Silmarillion is the, that's, that's kind of the, the history. That's the yeah. history of the elves, and then uh, yeah, there was a, a whole s- series of other histories. And then they just posthumously released one like uh, six, seven years ago. I can't remember what that one was called, but yeah, that was just the tons of writings that he's done. And then his son kind of compiled a bunch of random writings and it's kind of the letters of Tolkien or whatever and just tons of stuff that he did just kind of expanding this universe wow huh so I you know I think this one it, it was a surprise uh, to to see these invented characters in this film uh, and and I think maybe and I, I don't remember any sort of uh, you know uproar about any you know, new characters in the Lord of the Rings that happened to crop up here and there. It was it was pretty true well, the, to the. Are there more than one? Because I, from what I heard, I thought that Toriel was the only only made up character. No, is that that's wrong? that's no. You're I, you're not. As far as I know, you're not. But it's a key, who it's, is that? It's that's, a key, Evangeline uh, Lilly. Oh right. Okay. Yeah. Got it. And uh, and so, do you sing song every time you have to butt in? That's awesome. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Talking dragon. Okay, go ahead. Uh, she she was the 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 one that got a lot of the of the sort of I don't know dramatic controversy, if you will, that that he's now making up characters for this beloved book. But but this one, I don't know if it was you know in part because of the way she carries it, or because I uh, I deeply like Evangeline Lilly, and uh, and. Uh, yeah, <laughs> ah, ah, amen, and uh, and so she's. Uh, I, I thought this was great. I, I but I really liked the the sort of partnership between Toriel and Legolas. I think they they were great on screen together, and and uh, 
you know, their journey to follow the hobbits and the, or to follow the dwarves uh, was, you know, a highlight uh, sequence uh, for me. And maybe that's what he's changing is it, I mean, yes, there's that additional character, but I, I mean, obviously there's added scenes. Like I, I, I doubt that that chase of them all the way to the uh, town, Lake town was in the book. I mean, no, I haven't it, read the it, Hobbit in like 20 years, but the, I, the I barrel mean, chase. Yeah, no, well, the barrel, the barrel they, that's how they escaped. But the fact oh, that oh, the, the, the Toriel, yeah, the two elves chased the orcs all the way to Lake Town. Yeah, I don't think yeah. that happened. No, and they no. didn't. There was none of that rescue. But the orcs didn't didn't end up in Lake Town as far it, until the final battle, right? I mean, I, I didn't read the book again preparing well, for this. I thing, but. I just I was glancing through the Wikipedia plot, and it's actually the goblins in the book. Yeah, um, the, from the time they they get uh, caught in the goblin caves. Um, in the Misty Mountains, um, the goblins are the ones who are pursuing them on the wargs. They're the ones who chase them to Bayorn's uh, house. Right. And they're the ones who uh, have an army at the end, and the dwarves, men, and elves all band together to fight the goblins and wargs right. in the Battle of the Five Armies. So I guess the orcs, I guess <laughs> that's a made up thing. Is Tom, the fact that Tom, you find something funny? No, I'm sorry. I just, I feel like if someone just stumbled into this, it's like describing like a fever dream. <laughs> I just don't know. It's just so many orgs and wargs and stuff. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I love, I love that you guys are so smart about this because if I was running this podcast, it would be a disaster. <laughs> I have no idea what we're talking about. Well, you know, it's a, it, yeah, I think that's, I think that's fair. <laughs> No, totally. No, and I'm not saying that you guys, I mean, I'm saying you guys are, should definitely lead this conversation much more than me. Yeah. I, uh, when we hit the, uh, so it, well, the goblins were sort of um, out. We don't know much for goblins right now. Are they the ones that we spend a lot of time with in the caves in the first one? Yes. Yes. And the Got goblin it. king, yeah, they had the, the funny British accents that we were all making. That was, uh, that was absurd. That was, jar, that was the Jar Jar of... Right. It was a little strange. It was terrible. So that that was terrible. But, you know, so maybe we'll see the goblins again in the final battle, if, or maybe they'll just be replaced by, you know, Italians or something. I, I don't know. <laughs> he just do, do another swap out. Um, uh, the um, So we, we get the—I I, I appreciate the, the new Toriel bit. Uh, I, that was—I didn't find that uh, offensive. And I think, again, back to Steve's point, I think for me that was— um, that's part of the um, this particular cinematic universe, and I I think maybe maybe he gets away with more now than he did in the first film as a result of what Marvel has been doing, and is so uh, you know I think it's it, oh. it's almost as if it's now sort of uh, part of entertainment culture that we can have completely separate sort of universes that that Collide. that we don't find offensive. It's not an adaptation. We're just it's it's based on this universe and that's okay. Do you guys as lovers of the canon of the actual not the canon but just the hobbit, are you okay with that? I obviously don't have a dog in the fight, but like do you wish that it was just the hobbit? Well, I mean, it's it's different because I mean, the hobbit in this I mean, you have to look at the hobbit was written as this sort of standalone book and then all of a sudden it sort of launched into this larger, you know, Middle Earth universe that now, you know, we have all this history. So, so much of that is only just, you know, slightly below the surface in The Hobbit. So I think what Peter Jackson's doing is, you know, taking that story and putting it in its appropriate time and place in Middle Earth history. 
and I mean that's that's really what you know all the scene you know this, with the the necromancer and and Gandalf and we you know and I love that you know that you know him seeing the the, the eye and mm-hmm. that you know that iris of the eye and that shape and what that turns into. Um, I just thought, okay, we're really you know connecting everything together in a way that you know in the in the Hobbit in the book it's just you know Bilbo finds a ring and it's only later on that we you know learned you know through reading Lord of the Rings oh by the way there's this whole history at the time it's my understanding you know in the Hobbit it was just a magical ring not the one ring and so it's it's sort of retrofitting that story into the larger history and I think you know that's what the, that's what the films do uh, so you have that whole complete picture because I think if you just tackled the Hobbit as a book it would just feel really simple and almost shallow in comparison to the scope of the Lord of the Rings films and I think this was the only way that Peter Jackson could really tackle it and do it justice oh uh, it's because he a, started with Lord of the Rings yeah because he started with just this this got huge, it you know, huge, you know, world that he'd created and so much history. And to go back to the Hobbit of just, oh, it's Bilbo going on a quirky, fun adventure with some dwarves. And, you know, as I recall, that's, there's some playfulness in just the writing of the Hobbit that I, I think would have not done the film justice compared to it. So I think that's, I don't have an issue with it. It's just, I, like I said, I think it's, what he's really doing is something on a different different scale and scope in in his adaptation of that and bringing all those other characters and uh, and stories into the into the film. So it's like I said, it's something I'm still stewing about of, of thinking how do I how do I cope with some things that, that that bothered me or troubled me and again some of these invented things where it's and I hate to make the comparison, but it's reminding me, sort of, of you know, Star Are you Wars. You say Alice in Oh shit! No, <laughs> Star that- Wars, where we had three films. Then we're going to go back, and now later on, we're going to go and do the three precursors to that. And so we're going to put in little gimmicks and jokes. So where Legolas is looking at, you know, one of the dwarves thing. He's like, "Oh, who's that? That's really oh, That's that's my fault. That's my son Gimli." And it's like, "Oh, haha! We all know that Legolas is going to meet Gimli in." You know, Lord of the Rings, and it's sort of like the introducing R two D two in you know Phantom Menace. It's it's what purpose does it serve other than is a little wink to the audience? Um, well, and those little things yeah. they sort of bother me because it's just this you know sort of you know Peter Jackson. Hey hey, look at this! Look what I can put in here. Aren't I clever? And it just it didn't serve anything, and it just stood out and and bothered me because I thought if you're going to add something, broaden that, not something jokey like that. In a way that maybe I think is a little bit different than what you said, but is slightly along the same way. Why I said Alice in Wonderland is because Tim Burton's Alice in Wonderland made me uncomfortable when I saw it because I felt like there was a generation of kids thinking that Alice in Wonderland had a crazy dragon monster in it. Yeah. Would think that that was the story because he took a bunch of stuff from like Jabberwocky and Through the Looking Glass and called it Alice in Wonderland. Right. Yes. Maybe and maybe it bothers me more for that because I hold something like Alice in Wonderland more in esteem than the Tolkien stuff just because I haven't read it. But it just uh, there is something that doesn't sit great for me mm-hmm. that way, especially when you're taking something on so iconic. Yes. You know, I I find myself I'm sort of reflecting on that, Steve. The 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 sort of Peter Jackson jokey stuff that that you say. You know, like for example, the oh who's that? That's my son. Um. I you know I didn't I didn't 
uh, sort of respond that way only because in this case, and in contrast to uh, George Lucas, in this case, there is a connection because this was, I mean, it wasn't just, he wasn't just making up the fact that this was his son. Like, there is a connection to the fact that, you know, it's Gimli, son of Glowen, who is now here. Like, there is, there is that sort of genetic connection that was in the book. That's not a made up thing. And I, and I sort of felt like that felt appropriate. But Legolas's presence there is made up. Yes. And it's like, so that to me is the gimmicky part. It's because yeah, it's you're, like, no, yeah, oh, that's no. a good point. That's a good you know, point. But, so but, I, but Legolas is really the son of Thranduil, Thranduil right? Uh, I, I believe so, because yeah. I, I think if he if he made that up, then yeah, there would be... More people would be upset yeah, about up that. Yeah, up in arms. So it, but it, it's again, you know, and so the dwarves, you know, in, in the novel The Hobbit, they are captured by the elves and the elven king is there and it's not, but I think again, it's because this is a choice Jackson's making in the Hobbit. He hadn't, when that novel was written, that character of Legolas had not been created. Jackson's now, you know, possibly saying, well, if I look at, you know, the timeline and how long elves live, then it's highly likely that they would have encountered Legolas there because he would have been alive at that time. So I can, you know, I can reasonably include him here. Okay. And I can buy that. But again, it, it was just like, you know, yeah, it was yeah. it was a, it was a quick little joke, and it, it's I mean, it's a, a tiny thing, and it's not something that, that ruins the movie for me. Um, well, it's yeah, just, it's it's nowhere near as bad as Anakin inventing C three PO. Yes, no, no, that's it's, it's what I was thinking that, of. Yeah. That's exactly it. Mm. No, it's it's not it's not that it's not that bad, but uh, <laughs> few things are that bad. <laughs> no, no, it is. But it, I think that's you know sort of the struggle that, that Peter Jackson has with this is he's got to put it in the context of of the films that have been successful. And that's the other thing that I felt looking at these two films, it feels, I don't know, there's something about it that just feels like, I don't want to say he's, he's, cause I know there's a tremendous amount of work that goes into this film, but I feel like when tackling Lord of the Rings, there was this passion of like, this is his one chance to do it. And it was all or nothing. And there were such high stakes. Whereas now it's like, well, I can do the Hobbit how I want. And I just feel like he's not that hungry filmmaker. Cause it feel, felt like, and maybe because it is such a large bloated story, it's like I'm going through the motions and I have, I I can, I have got the collateral to just, I can do this project the way I want to do it. And he's not having to compromise on things and make sacrifices or choices and, and stick to the story. It's like, well, I can include this scene because I've got the money, I've got this. And he can just, it, it feels bloated to me in a way that Lord of the Rings doesn't, which feels really tight and has that strength and intensity. And this, it just, as I said, it feels like a mini series where there's scenes where it's like, okay, well, we need to get through this. But as a film watching that, I'm like, there's not, what's drawing me through the scene? Well, it's just exposition. I need this information for later on, but there's nothing driving the scene as opposed to Lord of the Rings where it always, there's always to me that, that pace, those films are really long. And I always felt, the writing was drawing me through those scenes and, and carrying me along. Whereas here, it's, you know, Stephen Fry's character stuff with him. I just I was bored to death. Who is that? Uh, he's, he's the, the uh, town master. Town, the town master. Oh, Stephen Fry, right? Sorry. Yeah, that all that stuff. I thought, eh, you know what? I didn't. I, and his little henchman guy just felt like, what are they adding? It didn't. It didn't yeah, do anything. Yeah, you know, for I me. I would add, I would echo that in particular. Some of that, and I I don't know exactly where that fell apart for me, but uh, it, it seemed like a forced reminiscence of um, Wormtongue. 
Yes, yeah. exactly. Right, and like we've in this case, we've been here. We know that worked, and and actually, there was I think a stronger actor in in the role the yeah. first time we saw him, and and uh, and so we that worked. And this that that was the first sequence where man, this feels that this part feels formulaic to me. Like this is something that he's he's sort of rubber stamped. Um, through the process i i felt you know if anything was frustrating for me it gets gets to the cliffhanger aspect of it there was there was a lot of kind of lake town stuff and um uh it, you know splitting up of the party and the poison so much splitting up of the party yeah oh. there was a lot of the splitting up of the party and then that, that's where it started to feel a little bit heavy to me um you know but but only in the sense that when it ended I felt like there was an opportunity cost there, right? While I was watching it, I was I was okay with it. We were excited about it, but at the end, we felt that, that that's where, you know, we walked out feeling like, gosh, you know, if the trade-off was we get to see the climax of the dragon part, uh then we really would have traded that for cuz it for this didn't feel like a complete run around for a plant. Yeah, this didn't feel like a complete story to me. It felt like it it didn't feel like a complete middle chapter. It felt like a, a you know, the, it really did. I mean, I used the word sort of betrayal earlier on and that I I I kind of mean it that way. Like it felt it it felt unfinished in a way that wasn't satisfying. But like didn't the like middle Lord of the Rings feel that way? I'm trying to remember. I thought I remembered the the middle of the Lord of the Rings trilogy feeling like, a, okay, we're just stopping now. I, yeah, I'm trying to remember where where did the where did Lord of the Rings end? Where where did the two towers end? Yeah. Um, no, it it's was been a it while. was on oh. uh, no, it was that you know it was the two uh, Sam Frodo, and Frodo. Sam and Frodo are walking on, and they, they everything like is a, suddenly gray, and they're standing up looking over the you know. It, yeah, and Gollum is yeah. plotting against them. Right. Does that not kind of seem the same way, or that that seemed like a uh, a much more sort of um, that was a satisfying cliffhanger. I see. But yeah, I, I I thought this was as satisfying as the cliffhanger in uh, um, uh, Chasing Fire, it, because I felt well maybe maybe because I know what's going to happen. I, I just it it has me on the edge of my seat waiting for a whole year before I get to finish it. Chasing Fire, I mean, I, I felt Catching like Catching Fire? Yeah. You're talking about the Hunger Games? Yeah, finding, okay. finding, finding, finding Fire. Finding the flame. Making a fire? Making a fire. <laughs> Flint and Tinder? Building, building. <laughs> so hungry. So hungry, too. Electric boogaloo. <laughs> Don't touch the electric fence. Don't touch the force field. Oh. No, what what was your what were you talking about? Who is it? Who is but, this? But the whole idea of that one, it 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 sets like the cliffhanger on that one, it it drops you into like a whole other world that I mean I was not expecting at all, and not having read the books, I was like, wow, I have no idea where this is going. This just opened up into a huge world that I wasn't really expecting. Oh, and of, so I felt really? like that was a, yeah of, of the revolution. Yeah, I had no idea. Well, I hadn't read the book, so I had no idea where the where the film was going to be ending. And the oh, fact that, that, that must have been very satisfying for you. It was incredibly satisfying. That's but awesome. it was like as much of a cliffhanger as this because it's just like, "Oh, I, what what is going on now?" Like the whole idea that, you know, not to <laughs> we're here to spoil the Hobbit and here I am spoiling <laughs> Catching Fire, but but <laughs> Really, tricked ya. <laughs> no, gotcha. Take Nothing that. is safe. <laughs> yeah, it is. 
Uh, but but I had no idea that that was how the thing was going to end, and it really threw me for a loop. So all of a sudden, I, I just it, like it ends, and it, that, again, I was sitting there like I I can't believe the film just ended here. I felt like you owe me another half hour or forty five minutes to give me more because I just am hungry now, and that's that's where this one left me. And so I was very <laughs> excited. I, yeah, I felt like they left it off in the right place. You keep keep talking. I I have the book right right here. You hear that? That's the book. I'm, oh, oh. I'm checking something out. Of of what? Catching Fire or The Hobbit? No, of The Hobbit. I, catch, <laughs> oh, yeah. I keep spoiling, the Catching yeah. Fire right next to my copy of Fifty Shades of Grey <laughs> and Divergence. Uh, go go ahead. Talk amongst yourselves. I'm sure. Well, I, I, I'm going to agree with Andy. I, I mean, I really enjoy. I mean, the whole last, you know, once once you know, the dragon wakes up and that whole sequence, it just it goes and it goes and it's this adrenaline piece. And then it's that. I mean, that powerful end of the the dragon takes off and Bilbo's just like, my God, what have we done? Yes, it, I mean, it's just powerful. And Andy, I totally can see what you're saying with Catching Fire, where it's just this. You've had this, and it's leading you right into something and it's going to just let you ponder that for a year while I come yeah. back and it's, it's it's it was very very satisfying it, it was, was just... the most yeah that was one of the most uh, invigorating endings going back to catching fire I, just because you had no idea like it just yeah. changed changed direction on you right at the end well and i, I if we're going to sidetrack onto that i'm going to say to me jennifer lawrence's talent as an actress in what the range of emotion she's able to convey in those in few seconds shot. Oh, that last shot was so just good. amazing. Yeah. So, you know, and I guess that's, okay, coming back to The Hobbit, you know, I'm glad we end on Bilbo because so much of the film, it's it's become, although it is called The Hobbit, it's really the story of the dwarves. And I know that's that's true to the to the novel. It's the dwarves sort of hijack Bilbo into being the, the burglar to, to help them out. But... Um, it's really become Thorin's story of everything because we now see, you know, I, I was really sort of disoriented at the beginning of the film because it's like, well, wait a second. I was trying to remember where the first film ended because all of a sudden he's walking into the prancing pony. Thorin's walking into the prancing pony. And then, you know, it's the, oh, there's basically, you know, bounty hunters after him. And I thought, okay, this must be from before. And then we, we see that and I thought, okay, what is that telling us? You know, a year prior, somebody, you know, Gandalf finds out, you know, there's people that are coming after him. I thought, okay, I guess to justify why the orcs are going to be continually tracking them, um, you know, and I thought that really drew the attention away from Bilbo, whereas in the first film, it was really about, you know, Bilbo, the Hobbit, and being drawn out of his comfortable life. Uh, and now the second film, it really shifted away from, from Bilbo, Um and, and maybe that was one of the things that was a, a slight disappointment for me because it, it, he seemed a much less active role in in what was going on in the story. I mean, yes, he does, you know, he's got a few, you know, the sequence with the dragon, you know, I mean, he does things, but I just don't, it's, I'm trying to remember how much screen time does Martin Freeman have in this film? It just doesn't he's seem got, like a lot. Well, he's got all the... To, the Mirkwood stuff. I mean, all the yeah, stuff with the spider. True. He's yeah, got the. I, I mean, guess. he's invisible in the in the uh, Wood Elves yeah, place. But I, he uh, has, maybe it's, but I agree with Steve though, because he has tons of time, but there's not a lot of forward riding suspense movement on his story. Yeah. It seems like whether Thor is no, Thorin you're right. 
is Thorne at risk of? I was a little unclear. Is he at risk of being a jerk and not sharing all the? Yes. Gold with everybody that like he's going to go crazy or something. Well, that was something that happened in the first one is that they set this idea up that his grandfather Thor uh, refused. He like he was they're trying to you know make peace with the elves or, or you know share in all the wealth and there's a, a misunderstanding between the two of them. He refuses to share. The elves said he was just being a jerk or whatever. And so it created this rift and his, his grandfather got addicted to all the, he found that Arkenstone, that big glowing stone. Okay. And it just kind of turned him and he became obsessed with gold, which is what drew the dragon in the first place and destroyed the land. And so now there's this darkness on his family and people think that he's going to come and he is going to uh, kind of follow the same path of his grandfather. And then I, I, don't think his father i don't know what happened to his father but anyway he uh so that was i think this film became the journey of of thorin um as we're kind of getting a sense is is he going to get drawn down the same dark road that's so interesting yeah. that that that's the same as like the ring I'm, You're right i'm probably saying the most un uh smart unsmart i like what i'm saying yeah but no but i mean just that it seems like such a huge through line is power makes you nuts or riches make you nuts well right. that's the yeah which is the that that's is that the, the whole that's thing? the overarching sort of theme of the entire universe right the ring uh, makes right? you that's nuts. the ring yeah. that's te- you know technology that's you know yeah okay uh, the um yeah, I got totally sidetracked because I started reading uh, the book <laughs> while you guys were talking. Are you, but here's are you, the, here's are you the chapter, uh, chapter 12, Pete, Inside Information? I'm when t- I was sort of flipping smog, right around that area, yeah. Yeah, because that's where it, 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 the chapter ends with smog, smog leaving and basically saying, I'm going to fly off and they shall see me and remember who is the real king under the mountain. He rose in fire and went away south toward the running river. So, I mean, yeah. that's... And I, I looked at that. I went. I was like, "Wow, we've got uh, like ninety pages left, or no, it's fifty not, pages really, left in the book." It's not a lot of book left. <laughs> so it's going to really? be the big. It's going to be the battle. You know. See, this I mean, is well, this is my problem, Steve. This is how I did yeah. not remember the end of the book, and that's yeah. why I am manufacturing my frustration here. I yeah. make no mistake. Uh, but the what I remember after, and this was after our last conversation about it, was that there was this third act that was the War of the Five Armies, right? Right, yeah. and we have Thorin really in here that much, right? And doesn't it was in Thorin? He sets himself up as they, in the thing. They barricade the themselves into the thing, right? No. You know, I mean, there's right. that that whole section, um, and and that seemed to me like a lot of action after the dragon is <laughs> desolated. Right, uh, <laughs> but I, I think my my problem is is that I. I that that the dragon there there's an awful lot of overlap i think in that last sequence um but i'm i'm not sure my expectation going into this movie is that we were going to meet the dragon we were going to kill the dragon and then the next film was going to oh, be the no. final thing but no. but that's my that that's that's well, i was doing. i was i was expecting that too which i think is part of the reason why i was just so surprised that it ended when it where it yeah. did but but you know i Shocking. i think in looking back on the reason to split it into a trilogy i mean i do think once you decide to split it, it seems hard to do it into two, but doing it into three, where you kind of have three natural segments, I guess, it, it feels a little more logical to me. And the idea of this whole idea of a battle of five armies, the way that he's been adding all these additional tales from all these other appendices and whatever, in order to build up to this big 
battle. I think it, it, to me it makes more sense. And so, well, and I'm curious to see what he does with it. Uh, you know, I haven't seen it, so I can't say it's going to be great. But I like the idea at least. The I, I think that's a that's a key point, and and that came home to me in the sequence where Gandalf is captured um, by you know Necrosauron. <laughs> um, during that big big transformation, right? We have uh, we he gets put into this cage and once again looks down out of his cage. Just you know, he he spends a lot of time trapped in high places. This Gandalf, right? <laughs> and and in this, you know, last time he was tra- trapped on the top of the the tower, dark tower. Um, uh, this time he's trapped in a cage, hanging over the the orcs, you know, mining one another and. The wargs frolicking, and uh, and and that suddenly, as they march down the hill from underneath Dol Dol Goldur, Dol Goldur, uh, that suddenly made sense to me. I mean, that that literally that was the moment I'm sitting in there thinking, I get, I this is as Steve said, I I get what Peter Jackson was doing. I I didn't before, and now I do. And for me, and I'm very honest when I say this, it's potentially not worth talking about on the podcast, but I just sort of wanted to say I didn't understand what was going on. Oh. I, rec- I recognized the eye of Sauron. Okay, easy with the uh, attitude. Hey, yeah, um, be careful. You're the one who's making us sound dumb right now. So No, but I just, I don't. You're the cool one showing up. Pushing me into my locker again. <laughs> hey, everybody. I was too busy with chicks and sports to figure out what kind of mountain was involved. No, but uh, I don't – I mean it probably isn't worth – I probably the podcast people that would listen to this episode wouldn't want to be caught up on air. But I just wanted to say for me, I was like, oh, that's the – a man just became the eye from the other movies, but and with the stuff of him being caught, I was just completely lost. And maybe that's just because I'm terrible at fantasy because it's so proper noun based and everything one has a, a name that sounds like each other. But I just those were one of the reasons that maybe when I talked about things being bloated, most of Gandalf's stuff, I didn't understand what was going on. I don't understand that prison that he went to. Uh, where all those things were broken out. I don't understand who is drawing all of these dark people, and maybe that's what you're saying about the armies of the five. Again, I don't think we have to talk about it now, but I just am saying... But you could have used some sort of a crib sheet. For me, absolutely. I just had <laughs> no idea. But you and did see Lord of the Rings, right? I did, but... Okay, okay so so and I think a lot of what the, you know they threw out, without having to state it explicitly, they say, oh, well, there were nine of them. You know, yeah. so again, it's 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 those ring rates, those nine kings yeah. that you know, yeah. So it's it's you know, it's again, they're they're just dropping in these little things for people that um, may not be have have read all the tales and know all this, but it's like okay, because I was confused. I'm like, okay, what broke out of these prisons? Who is this? When it's, we see the first one, I think, okay, so this necromancer escaped. Okay, and then he's like, oh, but then they show all these other cell, cells that have been broken. I thought, what the heck is that? Then they mentioned nine, and I thought, okay, you know, yep. Middle-earth mythology, you know, 101 kicks in. Okay, what are there nine of that we know from Lord of the Rings? Okay, so clearly somebody, you know, they escaped or, you know, Those are the nine themselves. people that, that had yeah. the rings? Yeah, yes, the, the yeah, ones yeah, that are, are on the, those. The black the, ring wraiths and the black yeah. hoods. Right, the ones that are on the horses in the in the Fellowship of the Ring chasing Bilbo, and then later on they they're on the big dragon esque things flying uh, around during two see, towers. 
Yeah. I'm the worst because I thought the nine were like that one scene in the Lord of the Rings when they're like we split up the ring a bunch of all these different people. The right. fellowship. I thought the, I thought the nine oh. was the fellowship of the ring. Oh. Oh. Okay. <laughs> I see. I see now where the trouble lies. Yeah. Okay. Um, yes. So okay. was this based on a book? All right. <laughs> Let's talk. Uh, this I'd, is based I'd like on to, the Bible. I'd, li- <laughs> I'd like to hear your thoughts on the dragon, please. Oh my God! So phenomenal. And I don't know much about much, and I should. Be, I'm going to stop being quiet. <laughs> so you better tell me this about that. But. Is this this potentially – well, I just don't know if there's, like, that much of a precedent, but, like, this seemed like the best, coolest movie dragon that I've ever seen in my entire life. It was. I think okay. it was the coolest dragon you've ever seen in your entire oh, life. Oh, that I've ever seen? Because <laughs> <laughs> I want to see this and Rain of Fire. Good night, everyone. Uh, I thought all of the scenes – the scenes with Smoke reminded me in the first one of the scenes with, with uh, Gollum. Mm-hmm. Where I was like, these are the scenes that make all of the stuff that I don't understand absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that was for me certainly was the case. I, I felt like I, you know, the thing I was most concerned about going into this film was this idea of scope or scale of the of the dragon. You know, is is he going to feel big enough? Uh, you know, is or is it going to be, you know, we've seen the teaser and that giant eye opens. Is that going to be, is it suddenly going to be thrown completely off and instead it's just like a caricature with a giant head on a kind of a weird little body? And, um, <laughs> you know, I was, I was concerned about that because that's, you know, that that was the thing that I've been you know thinking about for nay thirty years, uh, and and boy, I I felt really rewarded by by the work on this dragon. I thought it was fantastic. Size is such a cool thing to bring up. Yeah, that was the thing that I thought it did immensely, immensely well. Why are Andy would... and Steve so quiet? I feel, I feel like they no. didn't like the dragon, and now I'm going no, to get no, sad. No, no, no. It's, I already said I loved it. Oh, good. No, okay. I, I think, you know, I mean, as, you know, The Hobbit being that book that, you know, really created the genre of, you know, fantasy, you know, type literature and, and the the dragon there being an iconic, you know, character, you have to do it justice. And I, I mean, there's I think there's no doubt that they they succeeded you know, remarkably well in creating a, a, a dragon, not only in the size, but just the, the, the look and feel of that dragon is just, they, they captured that. That's when you think of dragon, this is, I think the standard that everything will be held, held to because it was, it was, I mean, it's an amazing sequence, just the movement of the dragon, the, the just, you know, the scales, I mean, everything um, just, it, it blew me away. I love that whole section. Once we got there, that that movie had me. I mean, it just. Yep, I just revert. I, I my brain shut off. I turned twelve years old again. I was just in love with everything going on there because it was. That's what this movie. That's what I was expecting. So much yeah. of that, just fun adventure. You know, I mean, so many, so many cool moments because I, you know, that just the the complex steps of you know, almost like Rube Goldberg device to you know get the flames going to get this going to get that going to you know what are what are they doing they've got this plan and i love that of the dwarves knew what they were doing we're just kind of like okay what how is this what is their plan they've clearly got something going on and just watching the pieces of that puzzle come together um and then it's this huge you know statue and i thought okay what what are they what, you know what's, what's really going on there? And I thought, okay, well, oh, it was just 
yeah, dra- you know, the dragon, just, you know, greed, Golden, just being sort of in awe itself at this huge, you know, I thought there was a range of emotions that Smog is going through. I thought, is it, is it, is he insulted? Because now there's this, you know, this golden dwarf that's, you know, now claiming, you know, his space. Oh my gosh. It just, I'm, I'm now babbling incoherently well, like, you know, a, I, like a 12 you, year old. I, yeah. I think, uh, I think you hit it. And for me, it was this, the, the transformation because most of the film and, and of the first film, in fact, you know, we have this setup where the dwarves come in and they, they're kind of developing this sophisticated plan and it's supposed to be so great. But really, most of the first film and the second uh, are about the dwarves bumbling their way through across the countryside, right? I mean, they're, they're either soaking wet or they're in barrels or they're wrapped up as spider, in spider webs. Like, they don't really, they're not great travelers. Oh, but barrel armor, come on, arms <laughs> out the sides. <laughs> okay, that was, that was all awesome. right, but but the but what I love so much was that transformation when you get these yeah. bumbling dwarves into the mines, uh, yes. that that sort of experience of of just how capable they are uh, on the home turf, and I I loved that. I I thought that was great. I love seeing those characters kind of own the mine. Yes. Uh, and something that was so strong about that that I I, I do remember from the book is that. Uh, the book, I mean, Bilbo goes in, has his con- confrontation with the dragon, and then he basically steals something and runs out with it. And uh, to show them, you know, I was there, the dragon's there. And that's just enough. Like, the dragon notices something is missing, and he just gets so mad, and he thinks that the the Lake Town people are to blame, so he goes off to destroy the town. And, you know, it kind of worked in context of the book, but... I think this, you know, this felt so much stronger to me because it's like now we're really getting that confrontation between the dwarves and the dragon and there's much more going on there. It's a much more complex re- reason for that battle to be happening. And it was I, I felt it was much stronger in the film and I, I absolutely loved it. I, I think I would I would say that, I, you know, it was different for me. But the you got to remember so much about that sequence of the, the book was about the relationship between Bilbo and the dragon. And right, about which was Bilbo's, still there. It, it was there, but certainly not as significant as the book. Bilbo goes back a number of times, I think, in the book. He, he goes back down again. Does he really? I think that's, he goes down twice. And, but the, the conversation was much more, uh, I think, intimate between these two. And um, in this case, uh, we have this relationship. The film itself, as you guys have already said, really the focus is much more on on uh, Thorin. And it was, I, I think they balanced it really nicely by what they did. It was just different. It was, you know, I yeah. I didn't necessarily feel like it was it was stronger. I felt like it was much more intimate in the book um, than it was in the film. I guess what I, what I meant it was just the reason for the dragon to leave is what felt stronger in the movie. Like I I, I don't know I just I, he got so much more worked up and and just stealing a cup he did get worked up. That's the it's truth. like that's the whole reason to leave is because because Bilbo stole a cup. Instead, it's yeah. going to be a seven story giant gold statue <laughs> that is going to melt all up in your action. That's right. <laughs> I will say that it I I think they that fire must have been hot because it. I think it takes kind of a long time to melt that much gold. No, because the dwarf that looked like Harry Knowles was on the bellows. (laughs) 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 Well played. Let's talk about the technology. Uh, Who saw it in 48 frames? Uh, No. Is that the high frame rate? No. Mm. I think Steve's the only one. Yes, I'm the only one. It was just as 
gorgeous as the first one. I mean, there it's it's 3D. It's I mean, it's, I mean, I. It doesn't look okay. fake to you. Well, here. I, okay, it, okay. Here's the thing. It looks like to me, it's an like old British sitcom. No, no. Okay, to, okay, and maybe I'm okay. I have to admit, I don't, I don't have a Blu-ray player, so I'm not, you know, I, I skipped that generation, went from DVD straight to, you know, streaming. But when I, when I'm in Costco and I'll see like, you know, like Blu-ray of like Pixar films, it looks, you know, super vivid, super clear. That's what this looks like to me. It's just really real. Yeah, there's a, there's a slight video esque quality to it. You know, there's the slight, but. It's, you know, it's get, not something that interferes with my enjoyment of the, of the film <laughs> to have a very clear picture, to have just that, you know, I mean, the only thing that bothered me with the 3D was the bees, you know, Boy, and, they were and, right up in there. Yeah, oh. it was, it was yeah. just I think there were a couple little we're going to poke these spears at the, you know, camera thing in, in Lake Town. I hate um, that. I absolutely you know, hate but that. But other than that, no, it just <laughs> it was it was immersive. And, you know, I. I had no issue would, with 3D or picture quality. So, how is the 3D in the battle between uh, uh, the Necromancer and Gandalf? Because that was the one scene when I was watching it in 2D. I'm like, oh, I bet this is the scene that looks really great with all the black smoke and everything. And just, I, I, uh, it, it, I mean, wasn't it wasn't that great. It, it was, yeah. No, I mean, it, huh. everything looked. Yeah, it wasn't like wow, really added extra depth to it. It just, I mean, because everything is so. You know, it didn't do anything above and beyond in that scene. It was still that you have that depth to it, but nothing that was like super memorable or blew me away about that scene. So yeah, that didn't take advantage of it as much as maybe no. you thought. No, it didn't. I, I think apart from the bees and some of the, uh, you know, the necromancer scene for, you know, I saw it in just regular 3D and I, I did, you know, me I, too. I, I thought it was cool. I, I thought it was very cool. I thought it was cool like the uh, Harry Voldemort uh, finale. Uh, yes. you know, like yeah. it, it, it had that same sort of feeling, like it was artful but not overplayed. Um, right. It, whereas the bees and the spears flying at you, that's overplayed. That's no longer artful. Yeah. Uh, I, I think right. you know. I still go back to, and I, I'm all really hate to do this, but I, I still go back to uh, Avatar as you know a, a, a display of really admirable 3D restraint. Right, using the 3D mm-hmm. for for the sake of the of the uh, mm-hmm. composition and not for right. the sake of the technology. And I, 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 it's it's pretty rare to see, you know, I think yet films that that really do it well every time. And and in this case, it was it was pretty darn close. I thought it was it was nicely done. Yes. I, but but you know, I'm I'm going to see it again at the same theater. It's my only shot here. Uh, okay. And so last time around, I thought it was, um, uh, you know, I thought that high frame rate, it made me dizzy, and you couldn't turn your head off of about, you know, three degrees wow. off of, you know, hmm. level, or else everything would fly out of whack and you'd have a seizure. And I, uh, and so I'm, I'm going to try it again. Uh, in the reviews I've read so far, um, the, you know, many are saying that, in fact, this is, uh, this, whatever they did, they did different in this 48 frames per second IMAX than they did last time, that they have made some technical improvements over the last film hmm. and that it's actually more Mo better. Yeah. They, I've heard they, they, they worked on some things, I guess some, uh, adding some uh, extra motion blur to things so that it, mm-hmm. some of the movement, so it's sort of, I guess 
you know, it's okay, we're going to shoot at this rate and that's going to remove motion blur, but our eye is so used to that we need to add that back in so that it looks more Right, and if you re- remember Natural, yeah. the first time yeah. around, we talked about that yeah. they added motion blur as kind of a hack yeah. because it tested right. so poorly. And this time, I think right. they, you know, they, going in thinking about you know right. those compensations, I think probably made a better right. experience. So I'm really looking forward to seeing that. I think I'm going to catch it again this week. And, and so they're making the 48 frames look more like 24 frames. Yes, but because it, <laughs> what's the point? <laughs> I don't. I don't. I don't get it. Go. You go see it a second time. You have to tell let's Pete. do 48, but let's cut them each in half. Yeah. <laughs> so, Pete, tell, yeah. you have to keep an eye out for Stephen Colbert. He is one of the Lake, Lake Town yeah, stars. I, I read that, I but did, I missed I did, it. I didn't. I, I, I didn't. Saw it, but I thought that it was maybe a, like just someone that looked like him. But I thought it was oh. Stephen Colbert. Because what's his name? Peter Jackson shows up in the very beginning. And yeah, then he's in right. the first shot, right? Right, yeah. yeah. So where was Stephen Colbert? Because I, I missed it. Uh, it was only afterwards I went. Oh, that's right. I was supposed to. He was the. He was in Lake Town, and he had a um, an eye patch or something that he. <gasps> oh, the eye. Patch. Oh, that was him. Oh, oh the eye patch the guy. Eye totally patch. got that. Okay. That's that's if that was Stephen Colbert, then okay. that's Stephen Colbert. Or else all four <laughs> of us sound really dumb. Yes. Yeah. Stephen. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. Now, did, did any of you? This is not trivia, but did any of you expect to see uh, Oz the Great and Powerful jumping around in, with the piles of gold when they went into the cave? <laughs> Speaking of the last movie we saw with great big piles of gold, <laughs> uh, I didn't. I did expect a leprechaun at some point. I just, I just had a little chuckle to myself when I saw the gold because I'm oh. like, oh, it made me think of that horrible movie, which was sad. I love the. Uh, I loved how I, one of the. Effects. I kept trying to figure out what are they? Why? What's the point there? Anytime Smaug would breathe fire, all the gold would get hot. Yeah, that, oh, yeah. I thought that was so cool. I didn't, didn't even occur to so me that that was something that they were gonna that that they would have thought of. But it, it, I loved it, and it, it was such. It was actually a great setup for the dragon fire starting the bellows again. I thought that was just yeah. really, really beautifully done. I'm happy to go on back and say that whenever his stomach or throat oh. would start lighting up, oh, I just yeah. thought that, that was, was cool. I was like, how has no one, or maybe they have, but I, like, how has no one ever thought of that before? Yeah. So it cool. Was, it was awesome. As somebody who like played Dun- Dungeons and Dragons as a kid, like that was the oh, yes. of yeah. what I always pictured as a dragon in my head. It was yeah. so perfect in every way. Just so much fun watching Smaug. Mm, I was too busy working on my truck. Um <laughs> <laughs> Can we talk about all those girls and pushing us in lockers? <laughs> totally, exactly. Yeah. Um, uh, can we talk about spiders for a second? Oh, yeah. please. Oh, that's... Yes. Spiders are the worst. Oh my god, <laughs> it was it was breathtaking. And that whole like him getting his breath of it. Well, I liked actually a lot of the quote unquote psych- psychedelic things that they were going through in the forest of nightmares. I don't know what that forest oh, was. Oh, when he was walking when along lost, with himself. Yeah. Walking along yeah. with himself and they're all super yeah. lost and then he goes on top and that was the most beautiful shot I think of the film and such a great cutaway to then seeing what seems like a dinosaur walking through the forest and then it turns out to be the spiders. That was terrifying. I was... I was kind of under my seat during a lot of that that was it, it was beautiful and that was i mentioned this, this one of the sequences that i felt like was too short like i could have used even more of the spider stuff oh absolutely uh i i thought it was really dramatic and he he moves almost too quickly to uh defeat the first spider and start cutting down everybody but i love the the uh the sort of 
ab- reckless abandon about which he goes in slicing them down, and a- as each body tumbles through the layers of yeah of Net- web netting, below, I web. thought that was just wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Uh, and the and herd I, and of spiders that comes down on them uh, yes. was Ugh. that was just fantastic. I wanted I to crawl forgotten. out of my skin. <laughs> in the book, did he when he put the ring on in the book? Could he understand the spiders speaking? Because I thought that, oh, was, that was so neat. cool, and I I didn't remember that in the book. But I'm like, oh my gosh, that is so creepy. But I loved it. Yeah, I didn't remember that from the book either. I I I felt like that was as about as close as we'd gotten to that was just understanding the black speech. We're yeah. hearing the black speech right. in Lord of the Rings. It, there, uh, I, I, I that was a I, great uh, throwback. I had to go back and look at that section, Andy, because uh, my um, youngest daughter actually went and saw it Friday night. She was at a friend's birthday party. They went, and so she came back, and she said, yeah, they, the movie had a huge mistake in it. And I said, well, I think people would have noticed. She said, well, he puts on the ring, and then he can understand the spiders. But then later on in the movie, he doesn't have the ring on, and he can understand the dragon. So then I had to you know, geek out and explain, okay, no, dragons are super intelligent beings, and they can speak English. And so that's how they can have that conversation. It's not that he's supposed to have been wearing the ring to understand. So I went back to look, and... There is a there is a piece where he is um, he can't understand the spiders talking hmm. is is in there. Very but, cool. But for me, oh. the really you know powerful moment of that was when he when he's dropped the ring and he goes to get it and he has the you know kills the is it was a spider it a, or a giant? I don't know. I couldn't figure out if it was a baby spider or a giant. Oh yeah, what was that? So, but it was some type of insect. But when he, I mean, he just goes to town and just hacks that thing, and then he has that moment of realization of. What have know, I done? Who, yeah, who yeah. who am I? You know, and it just it, you can see it was to, to me that was that nice. You know, you start to see the ring and that hold it's going to have on Bilbo that we then see later on, you know, in you know Fellowship of the Ring when they're in Rivendell and he freaks out on Frodo. It's just, you know, it, it that evil darkness of just protect protectiveness over his ring and what it drives him to do, which is so out of character for a hobbit in that moment when he realizes that I thought that that was, you know, a, a very nice moment that, you know, well played for for that to really show that Bilbo's you know, aware of there's something funky going on here. Who am I? And that was it was really nicely done. Doesn't he say he says mine, right? Like yes. almost impetuously yeah. right. like um, mine. Yeah. That's yep, what I that's think mine. Yep. Whether it was or not, yeah. my mind made it into a baby creature oh. or baby spider because that would give him reason to feel that kind of what am I doing? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It was a giant grub. Although, yeah. although I would kill a giant insect crawling toward me too. Yeah. So, yes. <laughs> oh, yeah, I wouldn't he... need the ring. Yeah, <laughs> so it's like, yeah, no thanks. Uh, <laughs> let's uh, we let's before we get too long in the tooth, uh, gentlemen. Let's talk about some uh, standout performances. Uh, anybody in particular you would like to uh, give a shout out to? Gandalf was I... fun. Sorry. Yeah. I... <laughs> I actually, I, I just thought they did a, a good job of really building the dwarves more. I mean, not all of them. It's it, with I don't remember thirteen dwarves. However many there are, yeah. it's it's yeah. hard to give all of them a lot of time. But I really liked um, the older one, mm-hmm. the big with the big white beard. I, I liked right. the kind of the, the relationship was a wise Balin, the yeah, relationship Ken between Scott. him and Thorin. I, I really liked that relationship uh, quite a bit. 
I mean, I think the el- the the dwarves. I I really just love that cast of characters. My daughter came with me. The big the big fat one is her <laughs> absolute favorite, and she burst out laughing when he does his little barrel fight and then yeah. dives off the cliff and like skinnies up to land perfectly in the barrel. She just thought that was one of the funniest things she had seen. And uh, so, I mean, you know, it's definitely great for comic relief, but uh, it's it's a good group. I enjoy I enjoy kind of the craziness of this this group. And I gotta say, for the characters, I had a I had a a bit of an issue last time with the white orc uh, Azog the Defiler. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I always felt he looked so CG. This time, I felt they really got it right, and I just thought he looked solid all the way through, and I really liked him, and all of the other ones, like Bolg, the, the big, tall one yeah, that he sent off. Yeah, his he son. Said, I, oh, that's like, his oh. son? Yeah. According right, to and, yeah, Wikipedia, it is, yeah. yeah. Right, and that, cool. that, I just read, interestingly enough, they had actually, when they, sh- I don't know if you guys seen this, they had shot those scenes, they had actually done practical effects on an actor for that role, and then decided to replace it with a CG character. Huh. Really? On, on Azog? Uh, no, not Azog, his son. The one that he, uh, you know... Borg. His, Borg. Yeah, Borg, or whatever, was actually an actual actor done up, and then they went back in and replaced it with a CG. Now, I'm assuming they kept the, the voice performance, but they actually replaced the physical presence with a CG character, um, and I don't know if it was the difficulty of matching up you know, yeah, you physical could, presence in the CG. Yeah. Azog along that. That would look terrible. Right. He so. was, yeah, he was, uh, he's been in a, a lot of the Lord of the Rings films. Uh, this was about Lawrence, Bolg? yeah, Bolg, Lawrence Makawar. Makawari, yeah. Yeah, Makawari, uh, yeah. yeah, uh, Maori actor. He's been in, he's he, he's played an orc, I think, in just about every. Yeah. He was the, well. He was the head. He was the head of the Urukai. Yeah, the head in, of the Urukai. Right. Right. If you if you if you do a little Google search and, and look, yeah. you'll you can see, and, and that's what he, he, that's the original design of the character looked a lot more in line with like the Urukai and, and that type, not at all like what they, what they have on the CG character, which fits more in with with Azog, who's who's you know you know the the physical scarring on his body and then just sort of the, I guess the mutilation, the battle scarring that they have yeah. um, just creates a different sense for those characters. I think it was, I, I appreciate what they did with that and I think it works well as opposed to having a more Uruk High type orc as the sun and, and, and all that. It just created a very identifiable character. Yeah. Yep. He was and Mr. Kill and Die Another Day. Good to know. I was about to ask. Okay. Right? Um, in addition to what Steve said, and then Shut going up, on uh, off of what <laughs> nerds um, going off of what Andy said is, I guess we did finally learn why to steal from my, I guess my own dumb joke from the first one, why there was a Steve, <laughs> not Steve Sarmento, but why there right. was like bloaty big nose and horrible ward <laughs> eyes, and then Jeff <laughs> is because he turned out to be kind of a romantic. Potential right. foil, I guess, for Legolas or whatever. Well, and that makes sense. Still, <laughs> still, I, I was waiting for more. For some reason, I thought, okay, because he, he talked about his mother, and I thought, does is he not? Is one of his parents not a dwarf? Is there something else going on? Because he doesn't, you know. And that was one of the things that I guess to nitpick little things on the on the dwarves. The, the makeup on the face fine creates, you know, very distinctive, memorable. 
characters so that we we know okay there's this one and this one but the hands why do they have to give them like the you know prosthetic you know stubby finger hands that just you know when they're trying to get the key in it just it looked too that was really notable <laughs> yeah whereas you know with you know you know Steve Jeff, the you know very human looking, you <laughs> know, dwarf, he, he he doesn't have any of that. He just <laughs> looks like the average. It's like he, it's like one of his parents was human or a grandparent was human. I thought something was going to come into that, oh, which would establish why connection. He, why yeah. he doesn't, and maybe that's you know why Toriel has this, you know, because he's not so dwarfish. Like all the others, he he he's, there's something he, unique. Which who are you he's talking like about? You're talking about Keeley, right? Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. With, you know, poison the one arrow who has no yeah. prosthetics on his face. Right. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Okay, right. I, that's I why we call him Steve. We Jeff. call him Steve yeah. Jeff. I get it. I I don't know why. I must have forgotten that joke. He's not. I'm he's totally not bulbous pork nose. <laughs> yeah, he's not bulbous pork nose. <laughs> oh, I just brought in Jeff just now. Well, oh, yeah, that's, that's new. Guy. That's a new. That's a bit. Okay. He was. If, if he we was do the third Steve. one. It, yeah, it'll be Steve Jeff Kevin when we do. You know. <laughs> <laughs> so. Excellent. Excellent. All right. So uh, let's do. Uh, what else do we? Do we have anything else to add before we uh, get to ranking this thing? I would like I, to I see one want... last thing. Oops. Okay. Oh, so I'm so Tom shot. has one. Andy yeah. has. How many? No, I, I'm good. Steve. Yeah. Yeah, I, I just want to say I, you know, the um, the the closing song over the credits, I did amazing song, just really fit, and I just think really fits the tone of the film, and just it was something where it it ends. I'm in awe. I'm just wow, and then that song kicks in. You know, I see fire, amazing track. Yeah. Been listening to it all weekend. It is just, uh, say who is. I can't find it fast enough. I, I immediately went out when you posted it. I immediately went over to iTunes and bought it. It's fantastic. No, it's, it's Ed Sheeran. Yeah, yeah right, right, amazing, right. amazing performance. And that's just just cap just a nice closure to to the film. Just really. Oh, it's up. just it's really fantastic. Yeah. Uh, okay, and Tom. Oh well, now I feel bad because he closed it out with the end of the film. But I was just going to yeah. say that I that the <laughs> that the. That the barrel chase, the barrel, I'm sorry, a ski- no, the barrel chase yeah, was, abs- I know that we've touched on it a bit, but that was such a stand-apart sequence of the film that me and everyone, uh, everyone in the theater and I were, like, giggling and clapping along during it. You know, we couldn't I'm, get enough of it. It was so much fun. I'm really glad you brought that up. I'm interested in what you guys think of that sequence, because that that's the sequence that is most... Uh, and, and I, I should preface this. I agree with you. I really enjoyed that sequence. It was just the right sort of kind of frivolous action that I, I wanted. But it was the sequence that most screamed to me, uh, okay, this is the anchor for a video game. Um, spin right? Like, <laughs> well, what, this is what, what they're going to do. But but I also think I, I, when we when we last talked about um, uh, about this thing, we, we posted, I think, a, a YouTube video of... Uh, Legolas Centurial and somebody else watching an audience, yes. like a yes. sample audience watching that. What I have to now assume is that sequence, and the audience like coming out of their skin with excitement. And I felt like that. Like I watched that sequence, and there he's standing on their heads, and I was just, yes. I was so excited by that sequence. I was having a blast. What did you guys well, think? Good. Well, oh, I, I I loved it. And then I I found out that when Peter Jackson had originally set this up as two films. The first film ended with the silhouette of Bard the Boatman stepping up with his bow as they, you know, as they they come in in the, in the barrels and everything. And then he, when he shows up, that's where part one was going to end. 
when it was originally conceived wow. as, as two films. So you would have had the big barrel escape as your big that would you know, have been action the scene one or movie one climax. Movie one climax, oh. which you know, and, but whereas now it's sort of in the middle of of, of two, and I think it's it, it. Tom, I agree. I everybody was giggling and giddy all throughout that scene. I don't know how you can't be. It's just so oh, much cool. fun. And going back to Good. the point of the book as a kind of a, a children's book, as, as Tolkien wrote it, I think they brought a lot of that, especially in a world that has a lot of darkness going on in it. Yeah. They brought a lot of that fun back in. And I mean, you know, my daughter had so much fun watching that, like, you know, jumping on the heads and you know, all of that. It was uh, just an absolute blast watching that whole chase. And that was something that I was like, I, I, I would love to, that to have keep going because it was just it was so much fun to watch. That's what was missing for me so much in the first one. It had the frenetic yep. pace of the first one, but not the imagination of always you keeping keeping you guessing where are they going to go next versus just action pretending to be innovation. Movement pretending to be innovation. Yeah. Mm. Um, can I say one? Can I ask one last thing or do we want to wrap up? No, do it. I actually, I never usually have to go to the restroom during movies. <laughs> <laughs> but but I had a, a large icy during this one, and I did, and we can discuss this off or on. But I left when they were with Bard. That's the boat guy from Lake Town. Yeah. Right. Yeah. They were like, "We want to take a ride on your boat." He's like, "It's going to cost some money," and I was like, "This is a bunch of nonsense." So I went outside. <laughs> And went to the restroom for what seemed, in my mind, because I was so panicked about getting back, for like 15 minutes. And I walked back into the theater, and they said, okay, let's go. And they all got on the boat. <laughs> what? I assume we cut away to something else that Gandalf was doing, but like, what? Did I miss literally nothing? They were just bartering in real time? Again, this gets I... to my feeling of bloat, but like, I thought I was gone for 15 minutes, and they're like, okay, just don't cover us with fish. And I was like, what? I missed nothing? That's insane. See now that you're saying it, I have no memory of what you would have missed there. Yeah, I, can't I, I don't. I don't know. Yeah. I'm going to specifically watch this uh, when I see it again yeah. this week, and I'm going to. Post okay, it. cool. <laughs> Thank you, guys. That, I, that's horrible. Uh, all right, now we need to do our uh, regular uh, stack ranking, people. We've got. Uh, if you head over to flickchart.com, you can flickchart, uh... flickchart, <laughs> getting it on. Get your flickchart on. Right? Aren't I in charge? I thought you No, you are. You are. I failed. That was me. I should have set you up better. Okay, cool. <laughs> now, I almost want to do it again. I'm going to restrain, but almost I want to do it again. Let's do it again. Flick chart! <laughs> flick chart! Everybody go and get your flick chart on. So worth it. <laughs> <laughs> that is actually perfect. I'll be able to do a good cut in when I edit that. Okay. That'll be great. Okay. Uh, so you head over to Flickchart, people, and you uh, you can like us over there, friend us, whatever the whatever you need to do to us over there, and uh, you can catch up with our stack rankings of all of the films that we have uh, that we have reviewed uh, over the last however long we've been doing this. Uh, if you start from our website, there's a big button right there on the sidebar. It says uh, you can you can click on the golden ticket list right there, and that's our top 100 uh, films at Flickchart, and we will see if The Hobbit: The Desolation of Smaug will make it into the top 100. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Well, mm. Let's see. All right, here we go. The Hobbit, The Desolation of Smaug, or The Inside Man. What's the Oh, The Inside Man. Are we saying Inside really? Man the, the Spike Lee movie? Yeah, yeah, Inside Man, Spike Lee movie. Oh yeah. Yeah. 
I'll do Hobbit because, I mean, come on. Just for the scope, for the sheer scope of it, I'm doing Hobbit. And the dragon. Wait, so in The Hobbit, was there a guy who uh, plastered himself behind a wall of a bank vault? Yes. Good question, Pete. It was, oh, a there was. <laughs> it was a big dragon. He plastered himself inside mm. a bank vault. Oh, that's true. <laughs> okay. Well, okay, Andy, I'll bring up the point of when Pete asked us about really, you know, performances, there wasn't really any strong stand-up performances. And I think, yes, I know you guys will always be bothered by Jodie Foster inside a man, but I think Clive Owen and Denzel Washington, their performances, you know, above. The, to me, Desolation Spock, the performances were just very... This is you not know. a movie I'm going to go to for, for performances. It's a movie I'm going to yeah, go to because I want to get I my know. dragon on. <laughs> yeah, I know, and that that's fine, but there's too much other bloat in there. and oh, just yeah. Oh. yeah, I'm going to go with The Hobbit on this one. I'm kind of surprised, but I really, really don't like Jodie Foster in that movie. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't think it's possible to, to overstate that. <laughs> I'm going with Steve. Uh, inside Man, please. Oh, God. <laughs> man... <laughs> But I'm also waiting for Steve to invite me over for dinner. Am I right, folks? <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. What do we do? We only have two and two. Last time was the first time Andy and I have had to resort to playing rock, paper, scissors. <laughs> oh, two and two? I didn't even think about that. Yeah, okay. I totally messed up. Somebody's got to give. Who's oh, he really? Be? Yeah. Well, well, Mike, if he were here. <laughs> oh, good. Yes. What do we know about Mike? Did I don't he know. Send he, but no. he didn't send anything. I doubt he's even seen it because they're trapped at Disneyland, Disney no. World. So, but I bet he'd pick the Hobbit. <laughs> <laughs> I bet Chad would too. <laughs> yep. <Yeah>. All right. <laughs> uh, this on. seems like an inside man. <laughs> yes. Job. So I, think, I think you guys just got ahead. Yeah, right. we just got. You just got smogged. Yeah, we got smogged. All right. The Hobbit uh, or World War Z? World War Z. World War Z. It's got zombies. <laughs> Pete knows everything's better with zombies. Fargo would have been better if it had zombies, right? You can't. I mean, really, I. This is that all of that is true. I have to go World War Z. Yeah. All I could say is smog zombie. As long as he's going to yes. be making changes to the film, had smog been a zombie, we would have. Isn't Necromancer a zombie? He's a. Yeah, we he's some no, sort of a ra- king wraith. Yeah. I don't know what he all is. All right, he's, all right. Uh, Smog or Fight Club? Fight Club. Fight Club. Yeah, I'll do Fight Club. All right. Smog or Barton Fink? Barton Fink. I would do Smog. Hmm. I really like Barton Fink. I I hadn't seen it in years, and I watched it. I really liked it, but again, I just, you know. Dragon. Yeah, Dragon's going to beat out. (laughs) Head in a box. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I, you know... Uh wow. So Steve, you were with uh, Smog, is that what I hear? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think so on that one. It's I mean, I do enjoy Barton Fink, but I I think there's there's yeah, I'm going to have to go with Smog. Well, and I, oh. I, I go Oh ahead. my gosh, Barton Fink is so much more. You guys peak. I know. It's a good, no, no it's, believe me, it's a I'm the one who's been film. carrying a flag for Barton Fink. Like this is that's that's which is getting and really and, awkward, by the way. 
<laughs> like your, na- your neighbors are getting really concerned. Yeah, I, you know, I. Um, Why does he have that flag? I want to. I'll tell you. I I deeply love Barton Fink. I'm going to go smog on this one, uh, only to make Scope. it less less awkward, and because the dragon's really big. Fair enough. Smog well, John- or taxi driver, Pete's favorite. Smog. Movie. Smog. <laughs> smog. All right, smog it is. Uh, Andy, smog wait a or... minute, Andy. No, come on, legend. What would you have picked? If I, you'd been I doing would this pick alone? smog. I oh, really? Smog. Oh, come, come on, on. Ah, it's right, a freaking good. dragon, you guys. This, this is like, for me. I, I'm sorry, I've lost in my high school Dungeons and Dragons head right now. So, <laughs> <laughs> didn't he ask at one point if uh, Martin Freeman was talking to him? <laughs> All right, <laughs> taxi driver jokes. That's why you guys have me on, right? All right. That's good. <laughs> was uh, it? That wasn't good. No, nope. <laughs> Smog or up in the air? Up in the air. Oh, really? You know me. I'm, I'm the I'm Yeah, not no, the I don't guy. know why that should be surprising. And Up in the Air was my favorite movie of that year. That was such it's a, a good it's film. It's a great movie. It's, it's a good it's, film. Uh, I think it's a perfect script. I'm still going with the dragon. Sorry. I feel so guilty, but I'm doing it. I just, it keeps coming back to which would I, if I had them both sitting next to me, which would I put on first? So far, I'm, I'm answering pretty true to that. And I'm, I'm going to say it again. Smog. Which would you put on first, but which would you want to, like, fast forward through 45 minutes of at different points? <laughs> There's nothing I'm in giving, I'm forward. giving the Avatar argument. Like Avatar, oh my god, so much fun when you first saw it. Then yeah. it comes on HBO and you're like, oh, right. Right, this is HBO. I can't fast <laughs> this, forward. This takes a while. Yeah, no, right. I, I agree with you, but that's not, I, I, I don't feel that way yet. Let's, you know, we'll do it again in a year. Yeah, things could always change. All right, next. Steve, Steve, well, what did Steve say? <sighs> Steve sounds like he's dying. Yeah, I am. Because I, I, yeah, if they, if I, I smell if toast, I say, if I see, if I say which one, if they're, if if I'm flipping channels and one of them is going to be on, yeah, I'd probably, yeah, I'd probably go with smog. Yeah, I, I, this is why flick chart is one of the most yeah, frustrating things it, in the it world, is. but it's, yeah. but it is good. All right, desolation of smog, or the asphalt jungle. What's that? Well, that'll make it is that, easy. Is that a, is that yeah. a Sydney Poitier movie? <laughs> I'm not joking. No, that's that Blackboard a... Jungle. That's Blackboard Jungle. Oh, Jungle. okay. So I'm not... this, is, this is a noir. This is a... Yeah, this you guys is thought a... I was being racist for a second, but I was actually on track. Okay, this cool. This is John Huston's uh, noir film, Crime Story. Uh, I yeah. guess I have to go with Smaug because Smaug, it's yeah. what I know of. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Small. All right, nice. number 48, Rifle uh-huh. O Fight Club. Okay. Yeah. Really? Uh, but now, I was severely where the where did the first Hobbit fall? Let me look. We have Where's 125 that? movies on Flickchart now. Let me pull up the list here. 302. <laughs> <laughs> it is, let's see, the smog is 48, and Unexpected Journey is 97. Oh, wow. That, not, okay, see, relatively, okay. that feels about right to me. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Wow. Yeah, there you go. We did it! We did it. Another one down. Well done, gentlemen. Uh, We have next next month, we haven't picked the film yet. Nope. But my goodness, um, we're hitting, uh, this was was the last. 
What? Next month will be the desolation of January. Desolation so, of oh, January. Oh, that's true. Right. Uh, we'll have to. Yeah. We'll, we'll have to search our <laughs> high and low for something. We we will be scrambling just a bit, but I I wonder we if we if we look back at what we have done this year. Any highlights from the year, from uh, particularly from uh, Steve and Tom, that you you think uh, this year for me will be known by? What would that be? Wait, are you finishing that sentence or no? Yeah, was it this one known by ellipsis quote from movies that we've seen yeah, yeah, on yeah. The, what's the, the podcast? What's, yeah, well, yeah. I mean, it could be or it could be other films that you feel like we've just grossly missed. Do you want to know what we talked about? Should I read through the films that we've talked about? This oh, I, 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 you know, to me, I think <laughs> Pete's gonna love this. I think it was your next. That discussion was just so much fun. Oh. I, mean, <laughs> I hate all. I hate all you guys. <laughs> That was so, because it was such an unexpected <laughs> surprise, and I think the discussion just would just just yeah, I really enjoyed discussing that one. And I think Prisoners, which coming out on DVD uh, this this week, so check it out. And if you haven't listened to our review, go on listen to that from September, and then buy the DVD or stream it online. But definitely check out the Prisoners. Absolutely. That's that's definitely one to see. What about you, Tommy? Uh, I guess I would say if we want to say unexpected surprises, but in a slightly different way, the bullet train sequence from the Wolverine is really? still one of one of the most fun times I've had in a movie theater for a movie I couldn't have cared less about. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I also really did like the prisoners and my two movies, potentially less sung, unsung, whatever it is, more unsung movies would be the way, way back and the Kings of summer. I thought oh, both had yes. a lot of problems, but were both very, very delightful. I love both of those movies. I, I, Fair enough? I absolutely agree with that. Yeah. Cool. Um, you know, I think the, uh, I, I'm looking back through our list of films there's there's a a lot of films we didn't like very much oh i'm I'm hard pressed to say whether i disliked oz more or now you see me (laughs) oh i was just gonna make a now you see me joke but it wasn't really coming it was a bumpy spring it was (laughs) a really bumpy spring yes yeah we had a 42 was i mean 42 was all right march april and may was kind of uh side of yeah side effects had its had its issues yeah i think for me it's it's it really is between uh, while i would agree with steve i i as much as i absolutely detested your next i did like the conversation quite a bit i thought that was much fun Uh, agreed but the uh between prisoners and uh gravity i think are are uh, two real standout films for me and i i um i think for me this year was is probably going to be known as the year of gravity just in terms of what that film accomplished for me uh and the way i remember it um which which surprised me all right so what's going to win best picture is gravity or 12 years a slave going to win best picture i'm going to say gra- i'm actually going to say gravity wow there- He's on the record. Oh. <laughs> well, because I guess after year six, I was like, we get it. You're a slave. <laughs> Thank you, Tom. Thank you. <laughs> I agree with you 100%. I came out of that film and I was like, okay. Um, I saw Amistad. I've seen Roots. I've, I just I didn't do anything other than be a little bit more, more brutal. And I thought, I don't – it didn't – it didn't tell me anything I didn't know. I didn't do anything with the character that was 
you know, it just kind of, yeah, it was interesting, but I, I was not impressed. If it, I to, me, to me, it reminded me of uh, Black Swan because it's like, oh, here's a shot of the water and the churning of the, the riverboat. And we're going to linger on that because it's artsy, I guess, is what it was supposed to be. Or I mean, there's one sequence in that movie that was one long continuous shot where he's got to whip the what's her name. That was a powerful moment. The rest of that movie, entirely forgettable to me. Did not, do not, wow. do not see what all the fuss was about on that one, honestly. Oh. And, well, to potentially redeem myself and accidentally throw Steve under the bus. No, go ahead. <laughs> no, I thought I thought the film was pretty breathtaking when I saw it. The one problem, and it's going to sound like I'm being, I know it's going to sound like I'm being racist again for a joke in a second, but it's really not. The one problem I have uh, with movies like that are the same problem that occasionally I have with Holocaust films mm-hmm. is that it's not that anything is learned or there's an arc. It's just something to be endured. And while I understand that this is something that should not be forgotten in history, and I'm so glad to have seen these films, it's not like he became a better man or a stronger man. And again, I loved 12 Years of a Slave, but it's just something to be endured versus anyone really changing that much. And that's some of the time that I have the trouble with these kind of historical films. Right. To me, it didn't add anything to the, to the conversation about about the subject, whereas and there's white people are terrible unless you're Brad Pitt, <laughs> who's a Canadian in the film. So people Ugh. are bad unless they're unless they're yeah. <laughs> Canadian. To me, it didn't add anything to the conversation of of that topic. Whereas um, there's a film, there's a World War II film coming out early next year that was supposed to be out at Christmas. And I think, and I think that's adding something new to that. Nope. You know, looking at what the approach they're taking, it's it's set in in World War II. But to me, that looks that looks like an interesting take on. Okay, we've seen you know lots of war stories for this has got a different approach to it. To me, is, that's uh, interesting th- because it's bringing a different story to it as opposed to Twelve Years a Slave. I feel like I've seen the abused. And I mean, yes, it, I agree, Tom. It's important, but it didn't it didn't bring anything new to the table. And that's what I was it is, expecting. You are talking about the Monuments Men, right? Yes. That, so you that, are. You know, yeah. I'm looking forward to that film the same way I was looking forward to Inglorious Bastards, for exactly that reason. It is a new take on a, a genre film or a historical sort of fiction. Uh, in this case, I think Monuments Men, not historical fiction, but just because I, I think it, right that this is a true story, right? If I'm yes. not mistaken. Yes. I'm very much looking forward to that extra dimension uh, that, that I think they bring they're going to bring to this film. I hope it doesn't suck because it got kicked back into kind of a weird place. But it's George Clooney. I mean, I believe him. I believe in him as a filmmaker, except for those who stare at goats like more than anybody. Well, I think that's where you're categorically wrong. I love men who stare at goats. I I, I can say it it doesn't suck. Oh! Oh! Oh, someone's from the future! (laughs) I'm Does Obama win again? you. <laughs> Great. Now they're coming after me. You're going to have to <laughs> right. cut that out. Get <laughs> it. Uh, excellent. Well, all right. So we don't know what's coming in 2014 in terms of our schedule, but we're going to get right on that. And uh, and we will uh, – I, I think that's it. Uh, make sure you head over to thenextreel.com. You subscribe to the show there. You can subscribe in iTunes. Make sure you get it. It's the best way to you don't miss a single episode of, of just, you know, movie awesome. 
uh, into your uh, your canal every single week. Uh, and, uh, and don't forget to it. leave us a review on iTunes so that you can have a chance to be the uh, person who gets to pick an episode for us next year. That's right. And oh, that's follow fun. us on Instagram so that you can uh, get a chance to win Andy Nelson's uh, Guess the Movie Pony Prize. <laughs> that's that's going to be so great. But it's not my pony. No. I'm, I'm going to steal one. Pony is a metaphor, people. Pony is a metaphor. You don't want to know what it's a metaphor for. Oh, that's right. It's a very nice pony. <laughs> on behalf of Steve Sarmento, Tom Metz, Andy Nelson, I'm Pete Wright. We'll catch you next time on the next reel. Here on the film board, we have covered quite a variety of great page-to-screen adaptations over the years, from superheroes like Christopher Nolan's The Dark Knight Rises, based on stories like Nightfall and The Dark Knight Returns, to horror and sci-fi like Max Brooks's World War Z and Hiroshi Sakazuraka's All You Need Is Kill, which became one of our favorites, Edge of Tomorrow, with Tom Cruise and Emily Blunt. And who could forget Andy Weir's stranded astronaut adventure, The Martian, or Dave Eggers' tech thriller, The Circle? Supposedly so much better than the movie. We've also explored Stephen King epics like The Dark Tower and It, biopics like Damien Chazelle's First Man, and sweeping sagas like Denis Villeneuve's take on Frank Herbert's Dune. And don't forget Martin Scorsese's Killers of the Flower Moon, based on David Grant's nonfiction book about the 1920s murders of the Osage Nation. I just finished the book, and it's fantastic. It's always fascinating to look at the source material, and we often do as the book lovers we are. For those of you out there who love to do the same, head to thenextreel.com slash originals to find all of our past episodes and dive deeper into these adapted stories. And it's not just stories. We've included things like the video games Uncharted and Detective Pikachu. That's right. TheNextReel.com slash originals is your one-stop shop for in-depth looks at the sources for cinematic adaptations that we have discussed. Every purchase you make supports the film board and The Next Reel's family of shows. So what are you waiting for? Head to TheNextReel.com slash originals and get your next read today. Mm-hmm.